0: Thank you, Tim. That was ministered to me. Um, we had the privilege yesterday of hosting an LBA meeting of encouragement, and we had some leaders from the Tennessee Baptist Convention come and uh, minister to us. And it was a real blessing. I know Robert and Gail were there, and several others, and just grateful for the opportunity. Uh, It was funny. I was telling Logan. um, When it came time for Logan to play at the piano, she played some songs for us to close us out. And David, obviously, we all love Dave. he, He obviously has the gift of encouragement. And boy, can he lay it on thick. He... He set the bar so high that Logan and I were, you know, it, it's enough to give us anxiety. We'll never meet that bar. And uh, it was funny because Logan got up to see it. dude. I can't remember exactly what she said, but, you know, it was kind of like, well, uh, okay. <laughs> I was trying to sing. And I told her, I said, you know, that's about how I, I feel trying to come up here and preach, you know. But, of course, we know we're all just servants of God. And I am so grateful for you guys. seems like the older I get, I'm getting more of a big sob where I get teary-eyed over a lot of things. But I told one of the guys here yesterday, Ryan, who um, is from the Tennessee Convention, I said, you know, it is so easy for us all, me included, to sit and to think about what we don't have and say, oh, if only we had this. And miss what we do have. And you guys are a gift from God to Cindy and I. And I want to thank you for that. And you have showed us over this month, and I'm sure Logan and John will agree too, just love to us in different ways, whether it's cards or or gifts or or just ways of saying I love you and thankful to God for you. And uh, I don't want to take that for granted. Because not everybody has that, guys. So thank you as a church body. And, and you guys that are listening too, maybe not here, you're included as well, of course. Uh, I'm, I'm just grateful for you. All right, now to the message. We have been looking at the importance of seeing God clearly, and we're in Psalm 139 this morning in our text, verses 7 through 12. So if you will stand in our great God's honor, I want to read from his holy word. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For darkness is as light to you. Let's pray. God, there is no place you are not, Lord. And as we worship you today, help us, Lord. There is no way we can give to you what you deserve. But help us give it a shot this morning, God. May our hearts and our minds, our wills, say yes to you as you speak. And as we've sang and listened to a couple of times, speak, Lord. We need to hear from you. And thank you. I guess I've testified it's true. I already have. Continue to speak. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God is everywhere. You know, i I thought about it. We tend to say, where's God? God's in heaven. Well, where's Jesus? Jesus is in my heart. Well, where's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's in the worship service. Well, it's no wonder we're kind of confused. God's just kind of spread out everywhere. And it's impossible for us to have an understanding of being in more than one place at the same time. You know, the devil... Wants us to think of him as being God's equal. but The devil can't be everywhere. He is a created being. That God made. He is not omnipresent. He's not everywhere. Only God. Is everywhere. When David wrote these words. He was not trying to make some grand theological statement. That is only for the greatest of scholars to grasp. There's truth in that. But what he was simply trying to do was to write a song to the living God, the creator. And as he began thinking about God, and as he began thinking about God is, and then he realized God is everywhere, he broke out into praise. And through the inspiration of God's spirit, he wrote these words that declare the fact that God is everywhere. Philip Yancey says this. God doesn't care so much about being analyzed. He just wants to be loved. And as we think about God. Being everywhere. He wants to be loved by us. Now. Um, universal question here. We're looking at. Verse 7. He, he says. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Of course question I have why would I want to flee from God's presence where would I want to hide from him why well I, I I think the question can be summed up is we're always running okay the question is where are we running are we running to God or are we running away from God if we're running to God man God I don't want you to disappear from my ability to perceive you, I want to know you. But if I'm running away from God, I'm hoping God that, won't notice, that He won't notice me because I'm obviously not pleasing Him with my heart and my life. Kind of like Jonah. Remember Jonah? It, you know, It's kind of crazy. Why would God call a guy to go to a people that He obviously despised? And yet, that's exactly where God wanted him to go. Now, what did Jonah think about this? I'm going on a ship the opposite direction. I don't want to be where God wants me to be. And he thought by doing so, that somehow he could escape the presence of God. That if he went far enough away, the opposite direction of where he was supposed to be, that maybe God would leave him alone. Maybe God would forget about him. That maybe the presence of God would be too far away. But you can't run or hide from god there is no way to get too far away from him <laughs> i read a story this week uh i was asking ken yesterday about um, bruce who serves in montana and in montana uh, it can get brutally cold in the winter in this story i read it was about the montana state patrol and at night part of their job is to look along the highways To make sure if they see a stopped car on the side of the road that someone's not in that car freezing to death that they're okay and so this highway patrolman he saw this car he he pulled over he walked up to the car window the car's still running he looks in the window and there is a guy in there with a bottle of vodka on his lap asleep so the the trooper he knocks on the window trying to get this guy's attention. Suddenly, the guy wakes up, and he turns, and he sees the highway patrolman, and he, his initial response is, i got to get out of here. So he, he puts the car into gear, and he hits the gas. Now, it's frozen solid, so the car is not going anywhere. The wheels are spinning. And once the patrolman sees this predicament, he has some fun. He starts running alongside the car. So the guy inside the car, he sees, he sees the speedometer, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. The patrolman's still running. Finally, the patrolman says, Sir, you need to pull over. So he stops the car. The patrolman does his job, and here's this guy trying to work his way through a hangover, thinking, Man, how did that patrolman run? 50 miles an hour. (laughs) Wherever you are, whatever is happening to you, God's presence is still there. Whether you can figure it out or not, God, He's there. Sometimes we act as if God is limited to a specific person. You know, we say, well, God is with me. Does that mean God's not with you? Then we say, well, God is with a certain people. As we say, you know, God is with Israel, his holy nation. Or, and the Bible does speak about a people that, that come together uh, within the context of, of worshiping God and putting him first. And certainly in 1 Peter 2, 9, it describes us as the church, the people of God, as a holy nation. And so there's certain truth to that, obviously. And then not, God, not only is God, by some confined to a specific person or specific people, but to a specific place. We have this idea that, you know, if I can go to that specific place, God dwells there. Uh, When I came to Christ as a teenager uh, in Hendersonville, there was a place I loved to go to called Jump Off Rock. You went up this mountain, and there's beautiful rock. You get up there, great view. But I found out that you could crawl under the rock, and there was a place... People couldn't really see. And I would go and do my quiet time there. And it became a precious place to me. And for me, while I was there, it was like God dwells here in a little different way from me. You know? I had, I had that type of feeling. And, of course, there are those. I know Robert Gell getting ready to go to the Holy Land. Israel here very soon. I know they'll have a great time. glad you guys get to go. But, you know, there's some people think, well, if only I could go to the Holy Land, I'd I'd be closer to God if I could go walk where Jesus walked, and, and, you know, that kind of thing. I I remember hearing uh, a guy, a TV preacher years ago, and he said, send me your money and a prayer request, and I'll put that prayer request in a bottle, and I'll bury it in the Holy Land. You know, like it's closer to God in the Holy Land if they dig a hole and, and bury it there. And, and, and I'm not mocking the fact of, of God being in a specific place. But God is everywhere. There is no place. God is absent. He wants to meet us there. As a matter of fact, the truth of the matter is, God is not confined to any building uh, remember when Solomon built his glorious temple, and what a great place it was. It, it, w- it was a place where people were in awe, a place to come and, and to be reverent before God. But, but Solomon, once the place was built, he said, this place, although it is great, it cannot contain you Oh God, you are much bigger than this place that we have built to honor and to worship you. And God in his greatness is much bigger than any one specific place. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, the text tells us, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? When we come to Christ, when we say, Jesus, I I need you to forgive me and live within me in my heart. We become his temple. The place where he dwells. And that is some crazy stuff. To think that the living God has his home in me. And that's true for all of us in Christ. Listen, this is from Jeremiah uh, chapter 23. It's verses 23 and 24. Uh, The prophet says, uh, or he, From God. Am I a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can anyone hide in secret places so that I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not feel heaven, earth? So, as we look at this text, guys, um, I want to look at this rational explanation that he gives. He gives three truths of what do not separate us from the presence of God. And the first one is we look at our text. It's true, death can't hide us from God. Look what he says here in our text. If I go up to the heavens, you were there. If I make my bed in the depths, you were there. Well, the only way I'm going to get up to heaven, the only way I'm going to be able to to clearly get up into his presence is to go through that door called death. Uh Uh-oh. A lot of people run away from death. They're terrified about death, about what awaits. And, and of course, for those of us in Christ, it's going to be a glorious reunion. It is, is a beautiful, a beautiful picture of, of if I go up to the heavens, you're there. God, I, I, I'll be with you there. There's no place as we pass these planets, as you go into the thickness of space, those heavens, but you go on up to, to heaven, where you are, Lord. That is your presence. Then he says, "If I make my bed in the depths." uh, Friday we took Atticus to the Bristol Caverns. He wasn't so sure about going down in that hole to begin with, and I forgot how big that hole was. Goes down if you've been there. I think went down. I think it was three levels. We got down there, and man! And then the tour guide told us. Matter of fact, he was a 16-year-old homeschool teenager. But he told us in the 30s, the mayor of Bristol used to hold his town meetings in that cavern because it's like 60 degrees year-round but when he speaks here about going in the depths below it, of course obviously it's a lot deeper idea than bristol caverns but the picture here is of the grave about our days on earth are done and then we're placed in the ground and of course as, as jesus reveals Going down is a place where there's some uh, spirits that dwell. People that dwell. And an enemy of God that dwells. A a place that certainly God doesn't want us to spend eternity. But even death itself cannot separate us from God. Not, not, Not even death. Voltaire. The French philosopher hated the concept of God. The idea that there is a God. He spent all of his energy trying to disprove that there is a God. And he hated Christians. You know what he called Christ? He called him the wretch. And he said, curse the wretch. But he had a problem. He could still never get rid of that place inside. Are you sure, Voltaire? <laughs> as a matter of fact, in his last days, he began to realize eternity was on the horizon. And as he got sicker and sicker, he said, God, I want to make a deal with you. <clears throat> For six months of more of life, I'll give you half of everything that I own then as he didn't receive any answer, he died in agony. And and here's what uh, he prayed. Oh, boy. He said, I shall go to hell, and you shall go with me, O Christ, O Jesus Christ. You don't escape God, even through death. We will face our maker. There will be an encounter with him that none of us, can cancel. Also, distance can hide us from God. Look, look at our text. He says, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Well, and of course, Jonah found out. He tried to go as far away as he could to the, that other side of the sea. Couldn't escape God. You know, I thought about Gilligan's Island. I, I loved to watch Gilligan's Island when I was young and they had a problem. These castaways were on this island and nobody knew where they were. That's not quite true. God knew where they were the whole time. And they had to put up with the antics of Gilligan that crazy stuff with hopes that someone in the outside world would discover where they were so that they could go home. They seemed to be too far away. Out in the middle of nowhere, nobody knew, nobody knew where they were. God did. In 1969, Apollo 8 (laughs) was up in the heavens, in space, looking back on the earth. and They had um, to speak to the world. At that time, it was the largest audience on record that were watching them and it was so cool. You can find this uh, on YouTube. I watched it the other day, and they actually read from Genesis chapter one. So cool, these astronauts up in space, and as a matter of fact, I even found an interview where it showed a couple of these astronauts, and I'm not even sure how old that was at that time. They were elderly, and they told the story behind it. They said uh, we had found out that we were going to be on TV, and He said, we're trying to figure out, what do you say to millions of people when you're on TV? He said, so I asked the guys at NASA, what do I say? I don't have any idea. Just say something that's meaningful, something that's significant. So he said, then I started calling some influential people that I knew. What do I say? I didn't know. Finally, he said, I talked to one of my buddy's wives. And she said, well, I don't think you can get any more significant than to start at the beginning. He says, what do you mean? The beginning of beginnings. The book of Genesis. Read those first words. Powerful. So that's what they did. They read from the book of Genesis. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then, you know, just continued forward. And of course a cosmonaut who did not believe in God, he had to declare, I've been up to the heavens and I didn't see God. There is no God. And so uh, back in those days, as the story goes, the pastor of First Baptist Church, Dallas, W.A. Criswell, he got up uh, that Sunday closest when he preached. He said, "I heard of this cosmonaut, and, and he said, uh, "I've been up to the heavens. I have not seen God. There is no God." He said, "If he wanted to see God, all he had to do was take off that space suit. He'd see God." <laughs> No matter how far away we may think we are, it is not outside of God. He's there. Then he gives a third one. Darkness cannot hide us from God. Uh, Verse 11, he says, If I say, Surely the darkness will hide me, even the dark will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Man, when I was young, I didn't like the dark. Still, sometimes at night, I, I haven't lately, but you know, I've gone through a walk at night, and I feel like somebody's following me. I don't see anybody back there. Just this uneasy feeling. There's something a, a, about the darkness, because you can't see. And I hate that when it's pitch black, and you can't even see ahead of you. you know, Even with a flashlight, usually it's a very limited distance. And, you know, if you're way out in the woods, I remember one time uh, with some friends of mine, and we got this great idea we were going to canoe down the Buffalo River in Arkansas. Uh, and so we took off, and boy, were we dumb. We didn't know what all we needed. And, and I tell you, when you stop on these uh, banks of the Buffalo River, they don't have streetlights. It was dark. I mean, really dark, you know. Anyway, we we got... <laughs> We got through that uh, crazy situation. Darkness, darkness can, can be scary. Um, often crime happens you know, late at night. People are asleep. There's a reason why your parents said, don't be out after midnight. You know, Get on. There, you know, there, there's a reason for all that. And I remember one of the stories I loved was about this burglar. He managed, he found an open window. He crawled through the window. And it was really dark, and he was trying to carefully move along. He didn't, he didn't want to shine the light at first because he wanted to make sure that he was not detected. And suddenly he heard this voice, and the voice says, Jesus sees you, and so do I. He's like, what? So He walks a little further. Jesus sees you, and so do I. He's like, what in the world? So he takes out his flashlight, and he's looking around. And he sees this parrot barricade. And the parrot says, Jesus sees you. And so do I. He said, you know. So then he shines the light down. And he sees this Doberman pincher with teeth glistening. And the parrot says, Sick him, Jesus, sick him. (laughs) There is no darkness, too dark. That God cannot see us. And now, I just want to come to a conclusion here. Verse 10, he he says, even there, your right hand will guide me. And your right hand will hold me fast. Sometimes we have this idea that we have to hold on to God. But the very truth, the real truth, he's holding on to us. We may think we're holding on, but let me tell you, my grip is nothing compared to the grip of my father. And it's true for all of us. So, so the first thing I leave in this conclusion is when you feel like God is distant, that he's far off, that, that you can't be near him or communicate with him or, or hear from him. Understand that even though you're trying desperately to hold on to him, he has you. You are safely in his grip of grace. You're not alone. You're not alone. Isaiah 43. This is from the New Living Translation. Uh, Starting verse two, he says, "When you go through the deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. Maybe you're there, and maybe the waters <laughs> moving up quick. You're not alone. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. <laughs> when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames." Will not consume you. I I love the story of a man who spoke to the little boy. He said, where's God? If you can tell me where God is, I'll give you a dollar. And the little boy was pretty smart. He said, mister, I'll give you $100 if you tell me where he ain't. (laughs) There is no place he ain't. Secondly, uh, because God is everywhere, there is nowhere I can go where I will be alone and out of his sight. If he calls you to go somewhere, go. We don't need to spend our time, well, what if this happens to me? Or what about this dangerous problem i'm not saying don't try to resolve what you can but understand there's going to be stuff you can't fix go in courage go in faith trust god that he is with you through that difficulty don't let it be a, a, an excuse not to go isaac watts the great hymn writer of old wrote these words within the circling power i stand on every side i find thy hand Awake, asleep, at home, abroad, I am surrounded still by God. Oh, may these thoughts possess my breast where'er I roam, where'er I rest. Nor let my weaker passions dare consent to sin, for God is there. One last one, and, and I'm done. When we realize God is everywhere, you know, this is a tough one. It just shows we're all accountable. We, we are accountable for what we do. Who we are. Um, we don't get a free pass. God is watching. We're either running away from him or we're running to him. Man, it is such e- so much easier to run to him because he's there. And... What I love about Christ, we come up with these 10 steps, 15 steps, 100-step plans. He says, just take that step. He's not looking for multiple steps. He just wants us to step toward him. Um, A guy that's a teacher in Scotland, Edinburgh, Dr. John Bailey, (laughs) he says these words every year to his class. We must remember that in discussing God, we can't talk about Him without His hearing every word we say. We can talk about others behind their backs, but God is everywhere. Think about when Moses was called. God said, I will certainly be with you. Joshua, who succeeded Moses, he said, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. To Gideon, he said, Surely I will be with you, and you will defeat the Midianites. Paul was in jail in Corinth. God appeared to him, and obviously Paul must have been having some doubts and struggles. And here's what he said to Paul. He said, Do not be afraid, but keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. God is He's with us. Reach out, because he's ready to hug you. He's near. Whether he feels far off or whether he feels near, he has not abandoned you. The fact that he is everywhere does not need to be something that we worry about. It is meant to be a comfort. We just need to turn his direction to find that. God doesn't want to punish us. Sometimes he gives us the spiritual spanking. Because it's the only way to get us to turn around. To run toward him instead of keep going the wrong way. Let's pray. God, I uh, thank you for this awesome truth that you are everywhere. And Father, for us today, Lord, what do we think about that? Um, does it worry us to think God is everywhere? There's some stuff that I need to deal with. Oh, he's watching me. There's no time like now to do that, to deal with that, Lord. The thing is, we need to deal with it, not because you're mad at us or you want to whip us into shape, but because we're missing out on what you want us to enjoy and to have. And we can't escape you, Lord, so we might as well embrace you. I pray this morning there will be some embraces happen. Lord, as you want to hug us, may we hug back. May we receive your grace, whatever that may be, to find mercy to help us in our time of need. You know each need here. It may be somebody who hasn't yet trusted you for salvation and for a new start, for forgiveness and... To make things right. I pray today's a day if someone finds themselves in that place. You're there, Lord. Father, for uh, those of us who know you, eh, maybe there's something going on. And you're saying it's time. It's it's time to come. And so, Father, I, I just pray that you will work among us, Lord. Because you're already there. In Christ's name we pray.